cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. to the show. It is Monday, August 21st, 2023. This is episode number 434 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, I got news for you. Me, you, Tom Bishop, War Goons, Catchy GBT, Ms. Julian, Matthew Necci, all the folks over on LinkedIn, the folks on YouTube, squad members, new members, first-timers, long-timers, Everybody, we're all going to go through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And along with this big cup of coffee and me fixing my background. Or along with this big cup of coffee and this background all set. I'm going to uh, I'm going to basically shred the top cyber news stories. And I'm going to give my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories. On really, what does it mean to you practically? So how can you operationalize this at work? Uh, either in a tactical manner or a strategic manner. It all depends on what the story is. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, we have got you covered. You will be asked in any job interview for information security. How do you stay current in the industry? Um, this podcast is absolutely a solid answer. Not just that you watch it. What's up, Alan Norris? Whoop, whoop. Not just that you watch it but that you're absorbing the content in it. You might even get asked like, okay, like you watch the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. What's a recent story, right? If you can't answer that, it's not it's not a good look. So do me a favor. Seriously, if you're new, say what's up in chat. Uh, high five people. The networking is phenomenal. The content, the context is phenomenal. And I promise you, you will walk away learning something. Having said that, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is also worth half a CPE if you are a cybersecurity certification holder. So half a CPE doesn't sound like a lot, but it does stack uh, two and a half a week, 10 a month. So be sure to say what's up in chat, grab a screen cap, uh, timestamp it. I do leave the um, podcast up indefinitely, so you'll always be able to go back and scrub it. But let's be honest, who's got time for going through and looking for when you commented when you could just grab a screen cap right now? As a reminder, I also want you to know, because I forget to tell people this, and if you're a first-timer here, you'd be like, what? I do not. Um, you, uh, real quick, Isaiah Morris over on LinkedIn got into the GRC program, wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Isaiah Morris. That's why I made it, to help people out. Uh, genuinely appreciate it. Go ahead, crush it. Uh, just a reminder, the GRC program is 40% off all this week. I'm going back to school as an instructor. My children are going back to school as 
children, <laughs> students. Uh, so I wanted to extend the opportunity to folks to go back to school and get that GRC program for 40% off what I would already consider a pretty reasonably priced course in the first place. All right. I do not, um, if you did not know, I do not uh, research or review or prep for the streams stories in any capacity. So you're getting my raw um, initial thoughts and reaction and how you can operationalize it. So it's going to be wicked good. Super pumped. Like I said, say what's up in chat. If you don't know what to say, you see all this stuff flying by. Hashtag team live, just like Tim Coffs just did. Good morning to you, Tim. Hashtag team live. Love myself some team live, guys. We set a new record last week with 362 people. We averaged over 300 people live in stream every single day last week. So, you know, boom, baby, boom. We're straight up crushing it out here, helping people. I love it. If you are in team replay, uh, you're watching this in the future, you're watching on uh, VOD, hashtag team replay in the comments. Do love seeing all the folks. And special shout out to Chris Weaver, who uh, regularly is time marking the stories on in, in a comment. And I pin the comment to the um, to the day's show. So if you're watching this on replay and you want to know the stories, look at uh, Chris's uh, comment if it's there already. Also, if it's your first time, I do love myself some first timers. Been showing a lot of extra love to the first timers. So team passive observer, please don't think, uh, <laughs> don't think I'm ignoring you. But if today is your first time, like it was Wargoon's first time last Thursday, just say hashtag first timer in chat. We do really enjoy uh, welcoming our newcomers. James McQuiggan, my man, the GRC coffer. The GRC course offered by Gerald Osier is the best bang for your buck, especially if you're starting out, if you're looking to grow your skills. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, James, for the super chat and for the coffee cup cheers and for the kind words about the course. Genuinely appreciate that. I also think that it's pretty bang up. Let me take a slug of this coffee, y'all, because I had just, I'm coming in hot to this thing. Had a long weekend. We could talk more about that at Jaw Jacking, but give me a second if you don't mind. Hmm. Oh, so good. All right. Before we launch into the news, let me say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, those who support the channel uh, or support the podcast in order for me to bring it to you every single day uh, to absolutely zero cost if that's how you want it. So thank you, sponsors. Starting with my good friend Eric Taylor and his team over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues. I'm talking devastating, catastrophic issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. You better believe that. They come in. Eric Taylor, if, the, if your company has an active ransomware incident, okay? Eric Taylor comes in. First thing he says, catch me outside. That's right. You do not want Eric Taylor telling your ransomware incident to catch him outside because he will he will whoop that ransomware incident up something fierce. So definitely keep Barricade Cyber in your Rolodex. You definitely want that. Also, you know who's awesome to get a hold of? Panopsi Security. Panopsi Security run by Brandon Poole and his team. They are a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. And that's exactly what you want. If you are having matrix IT InfoSec staff, if you don't have InfoSec, if you're a mid-sized business, then instead of being reactive, what you can do is you can work with Panopsi, who is very good at the following. They can um, come in, basically look at your tech 
people, processes, budget, threat landscape, your industry, put it into like their magic blender, uh, you know, NutriBullet it, and then out dumps a quantified risk assessment, which will give you clear visibility into your actual cybersecurity posture. When we talk about what's your risk appetite business, what's your security posture look like business, these are vague constructs that someone's like, oh, I don't want a lot of risk. It's like, do you though? Because it costs X amount of money to not have a lot of risk, which you have an A load of right now. And they're like, well, I, I don't want to invest any more money in it. And it's like, well, then you have a high risk tolerance, my friend. Accept it. Move forward, okay? Panopsi Security, panopsi.com. Links in the description below to get some of that. Also, anti-siphon training, but we'll talk more about them at the mid-roll. Now, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you at the mid-roll, team. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, August 21st, 2023. North Korean hackers suspected of targeting South Korea-U.S. drills. A joint military exercise between South Korea and the U.S. is scheduled to start today, Monday, and run through to August 31st. Named the Ulchi Freedom Shield Drills, this annual event has this year been attacked by hackers strongly suspected of belonging to Kim Suki, a North Korean group, that have attempted to disrupt the event by carrying out, quote, continuous malicious email attacks on South Korean contractors working at the Allies' War Simulation Center, end quote. South Korean police and the U.S. military confirm that the IP address used in this spear phishing attack matches one that the group used in a 2014 attack on a South Korean nuclear reactor. Andrew- All right, a couple things here. One, uh, Matt McDaniel, thank you for the coffee cup. Cheers. Uh, so this is really cool, really interesting. Um, essentially, the United States and South Korea uh, are doing war simulations, and North Korea is sticking their nose in there uh, like an annoying... Um, sibling and just being like, like, I'm going to screw up all your stuff. Okay. Uh, using malicious email attacks, basically when this is a government exercise, but like all government, um, there's a bunch of contractors running around. Uh, we don't have to get into the, the, the reality of the U S you know, private, like public private sector contractor govy type relationships and stuff like that. But basically they're running a war simulation. North Korea is getting into it. Um, North Korea is interrupting it and disrupting it because they are of the belief that it is a simulation in preparation for an invasion of North Korea. Uh, two things. One, I mean, I, I see on the surface why uh, North Korea might think that. And Kim Suki, that, um, that group Kim Suki, it's not a, it's not a person named Kim Suki. It's, it's a group. Um, they have done some notable hacks in the past. Um, it's not coming out. It's, they're not Lazarus group. Uh, cause Lazarus is like straight cash homie, right? Straight cash, homie. But, um, they do do, they do have a couple. Sock Raider. Yeah. I guess you'd have to look at it. Like they've done a couple good ones and it looks like they attack mostly, um, South Korea, uh, critical infrastructure and operational technology, which again, kind of makes sense. Cause South Korea is their neighbor to the south, the most like them. And South Korea is like, you know, big friends with uh, the United States. So one thing I do think, and this is a little bit of, um, what's this? How do you not get hacked talking about this? 
Oh, me? Michael Starnes? Yeah, I don't know. Here, Here's my thing. Um, I don't think if the United States, I, I don't know, guys, I'm not a geopolitical expert. I'm not a military strategist. I guess if the U.S. was going to invade North Korea, they would go through South Korea. But <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if North Korea is like, you know, registering that high on the United States, like major concerns list. Yeah, North Korea does have Lazarus Group. North Korea did hack Sony Pictures, which was really, um, you know, an attack on a U.S. company. So there have been instances and stuff. North Korea does tech, uh, technically shoot missiles into the ocean. Um, but, you know, America's got a lot going on for it. So I'm not sure if a, um, it, uh, like a protracted ground war in North Korea is like what we're into right now as far as like major priorities, like in, like invading North Korea. No, but you know, whatever. They're going to do what they're going to do to protect. I don't, it doesn't sound like there was any um, impact from this, right? So maybe the the, uh, the simulations were kind of screwed up. I'm sure North Korea was doing it more for telemetry to understand if this was not just a simulation, but like a fake simulation to actually mask the actual war and kind of a disinformation uh, approach that has been documented quite well. The United States has done that with devastating effect uh, multiple times. If you look at the uh, the unknown soldier or the the pilot that they threw in the ocean just south of Italy that had the battle plans um, for the invasion of Normandy, but but it wasn't Normandy. It was like north of that beach, and they had like the inflatable tanks and stuff. So it's not unheard of. Again, this is a cyber show, not a geopolitical military history show. Although that is wicked cool. Moving on. Would malware apps use APK compression to evade detection? Security researcher Fernando Ortega from mobile security company Zimperium is describing a new technique for attacking Android devices by deploying Android package APK files with unfamiliar or unsupported compression methods. To date, Zimperium has identified 3,300 artifacts in the wild that use compression algorithms in this way. 71 of the identified samples are able to be loaded on the operating system without any problems. Zimperium has found no evidence that these apps were available through the Google Play Store at any point in time, which suggests they arrive via untrusted app stores or techniques such as social engineering. Juniper Networks. All right. Oh, so, <clears throat> so this is interesting. Okay, a couple things here. One, uh, listen up. If you're into malware analysis, um... If you're into malware analysis, this story is right up in your face. If you're into mobile malware, this story is right up in your face, okay? So if either of those things apply to you, put your coffee cup down, eyes on, let's let's do this. So <clears throat> we all know that getting malware to load on Android operating systems, so the operating system that is on most Android devices, it's on Fire Sticks and stuff like that, like I'm... I'm like 99% sure Fire OS is a fork of uh, Android. <clears throat> you run these APK files, okay? APK, APK, you can see it in the story here. APK is basically the extension um, for Android binary. So think of it as like .exe or .dll, right? Like it's APK is what you're looking for. Now, <clears throat> because you can, you know, there's like a million different Google Play stores because people hack together and cobble together and get their own, Android uh, files running on their devices because Android allows you a lot of flexibility in controlling what goes on your device. Malware authors can go gangbusters on writing malware for 
uh, Android devices because the chances of getting it installed are pretty high, right? They don't have to go through Apple's walled garden app store. Okay, so this is why it's a rich target. Now, let's talk about <clears throat> um, defending from it and then how threat actors getting around it. Because you got to remember, it's a cat and mouse game out here with threat actors and then us protecting victims or general end users, Carl. So, so <clears throat> we will have apps like EDR, endpoint detection and response, anti-malware, antivirus, if you're old and have gray hair like me, right? These tools will look at a binary or look at an executable or look at a process and determine if its behavior looks uh, malicious or is actually doing something that it can detect is malicious. And then it'll either stop it from installing, stop, kill the process, detect it, alert you, alert a SOC team, whatever it is. This is what these tools do. Now, threat actors, they don't want you to know that they're running malware on your box, right? So it's one thing to write the malware and have it suck up your keystrokes, your passwords, your your uh, crypto wallet uh, tokens. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. <clears throat> right, a really quick Thomas Fender just passing the PJPT. Nice. Nicely done, nicely done. So here's the deal. Threat actors don't want it to run. So they do things that make it difficult for the software, the anti-malware, the EDR, to be able to successfully detect that it is malware. They're not trying to, they're not trying to make their malware execute in a different way. They're literally trying to make it not detectable by those solutions. So now they're focused, and this is called anti-analysis behavior, okay? So if you ever hear anti-analysis in the malware uh, space, this is what we're talking about. So two things that are happening in this story that are interesting. Again, this is something you could whip out at a job interview and be pretty like, whoa, hello, how are you? Um, they're doing two things here. One, they're using compression. Now, all compression is, is basically like, you know how like uh, when you archive a group of files and it goes from like eight megs to, you know, 60 kilobytes or whatever, that's compressing it. And it's basically just the way it kind of stores it. This has been used in malware for a long time um, it, with packers. If you've ever heard of packers, uh, packers do the same thing where they crush it down spin, uh, and mix it up. And that way, when you do a static analysis on the file, right, as it comes through, you're looking at it. You're not seeing the system function calls that might be um, deprecated or indicate malicious uh, behavior. You're not seeing those IOCs and... Uh, DNS names and, and you know malicious uh, URLs or malicious IPs for uh, C2 infrastructure, all that stuff. That's what compression is. So interesting. Sometimes you can unpack it, especially if you're going to do it a, a dynamic analysis, which means you actually have to run it. Uh, but static analysis is you know part of the world of malware analysis. Many of us have thrown it up in VirusTotal. Many of us have looked at it. Well, not this one, but with a PE viewer to see what's up so i don't know let me know in chat if anybody here knows if there, there's got to be some type of apk hex viewer type thing that allows you to look i don't know like i'm more familiar with windows binaries there's like a really well structured protocol and and, and uh format for windows binaries dll's and, and and uh basically portable executable files i don't know if there's one for apk but Anyways, the other thing I want to point out, because it wasn't really covered in the story, but I, I peeked it as I was skimming the story here, um, is, where is it? 
Here's another one. Just just because I love threat actors and the way they think because I don't think like it. But the, apparently all APK, APK files have an Android manifest XML file that basically says what uh, libraries and what files make up that APK binary, excuse me, binary. And threat actors are naming files within that manifest greater than 256 bytes, which must be some type of hard uh, uh, ceiling of memory space that Android allows for naming files. So by having a larger than 256 byte, they basically buffer overflow. There it is, buffer overflow, everybody. Uh, welcome to advanced software exploitation. They do a buffer overflow here and basically crash the analysis tools. So the analysis tools don't work. And there you go. And then and then what do you do? If it's an automated tool like an anti-malware solution, it, it's probably designed to fail open or it could be designed to fail open, uh, which means it basically says like, oh, like I, I puked on myself. It Just let it go. I don't want to in, interrupt end user uh, experience or behavior. And this is one of those times where like, you know, you have the choice between like crashing the whole phone or just crashing the analysis tool. And then maybe you crash the whole phone and then the business is like, no one's going to buy this because it's constantly bricking people's phones, right? All right. And BSEC, just to uh, clear it up, two things. One, um, BSEC is saying that you can download the APK developer tool, which is used for developing, and just open APKs in there and look at it. Uh, good point. I will say I did download the APK uh, developer studio thing. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not an Android developer. That thing seemed like a freaky super. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Kennedy. Sorry, uh, Jaden. Um, that thing seemed like a hot mess. Like it over, over bloated, over, oversized, over everything. I just wanted to look at an APK file and I got like all these different windows and I, I did not like my APK studio experience. Also, shout out to Jared Pierpoint passing the pen test plus. Nail it. Keep going, Jared. You got this. Patches JWeb flaws. Networking hybrid workforce and software manufacturer Juniper Networks has released an out-of-cycle security update to deal with vulnerabilities in the JWeb component of Junus OS. According to their published advisory, quote, by chaining exploitation of these vulnerabilities, an unauthenticated network-based attacker may be able to remotely execute code on the devices, end quote. The vulnerabilities have the sequential CVE numbers of 2023-36844 through 36847 with a cumulative CVSS score of 9.8. Information on the patches and workarounds is available in their advisory, and a link is available in the show notes to this episode. All right, couple things here. <clears throat> couple things here. One, um, Jessica's asking about resources to get more info on DLLs. Yes, Jessica, I can uh, provide that to you. Just uh, if you can, I, I hate to be a, a jack wagon. Uh, ask me. That'll be the first thing I mention at jaw jacking. Uh, if we can do it then. <clears throat> um, Juniper Networks. Okay, guys, I forgot. Um, <laughs> I forgot about Juniper Networks. Correct me if I'm wrong. And BSEC, you're our resident, uh, you know, network device uh in in human form i feel like juniper networks used to be like the bomb it was like cisco and juniper brah and now like i forgot about juniper networks and it might be because i don't work in fortune 500 companies anymore and maybe maybe that's it but like i feel like juniper had you know like it's like time has passed juniper 
Juniper by right, like it's not quite Wang computers. If you're <laughs> if you're old in the in in chat and you know what a Wang computer is, uh, but anyways, if you are running Juniper networks, then obviously pay attention. If you're not running Juniper networks, then you know you can just eat the popcorn like Michael Jackson from the sidelines and watch what happens. Okay, Juniper is running their own operating system. They released a uh, vulnerabilities on four different vulnerabilities. Now, here's the interesting thing. They released out of cycle security updates, which is interesting because that's usually uh, painful and um, unusual and not, <clears throat> yeah, thank you, uh, BSEC. Yeah, he says that Juniper's taking a back seat. Um, brocade, I hadn't even heard of Brocade. So anyways, releasing out of cycle is uncommon, okay? Now, here's the thing, these four CVEs, Again, I'm, I'm not going to get too into it, but it has a CVSS score of 5.3, which is really not that high. Like, like I don't get out of bed for like less than less than a five, but really like I hit snooze a few times. You know, nine or higher, you're you're up and out of bed. Eight, you know, like maybe maybe only if you can smell some baking cooking in the kitchen, you're like I'm getting up. Five three. Like I would I would this is like a speed bump. Like I would I would just be like driving and be like do do and just keep on going. I wouldn't even think about it, honestly. So you can see that they're all 5.3, which again is not high, but when they when you uh, add them together, it's a 9.8, okay? Which this really does need an asterisk. You would need to chain all of these together. You would need to exploit four different things, which I don't know if you can use the same exploit to exploit all, I don't know if you could use the same payload to exploit all four vulnerabilities, but um, the fact that it gets a nine eight when you roll them up, I guess, um, you know, just chaining exploits isn't trivial though. You know what I mean? So anyways, okay, Nick Parker doesn't get out of bed for less than 11. I guess Nick Parker's, uh, what is it? Uh, is it Snow White? Uh, which which was the princess that was like uh, asleep and for like a long 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 time? Because like obviously if it if you don't get out for less than eleven, um, you're certainly not going to the gym today then, Nick. So, anyways, long story short, I don't want to spend a ton of time out of this. Um, if you got Juniper, patch it. I just want to point out, out of cycle patching is not a trivial decision made by vendors. It means that there's actually some really bad going on, even possibly active exploitation going on in the wild and they say that uh rce on vulnerable devices is possible rce meaning you can execute it from anywhere on the internet if it was unauthenticated rce that's when you really need to um <clears throat> check your brown pants or or go break the glass in case of emergency and uh you know be careful <laughs> all right yeah exactly so bsec exactly uh, thank you sleeping beauty uh snow snow whistle i just guys i don't know like i this is the final thing i'll say on this and i think this would be a opinion in the information security space i could turn into some tweet beef maybe um if i hadn't misspelled the word analyst yesterday i probably would but like dude saying saying that these four vulnerabilities together equals a nine eight that's i don't know I feel like that's like a push by the marketing department to get like some hot sizzle story out in about Juniper. Like I, I know it's negative press, but you know, any press is good press. It's just, you don't typically see 
chained exploits. Like if that was the case, you could take like several different Windows vulnerabilities that allow you initial access, then privilege escalation, then you know, you know, whatever re remote code, you know, setting up like you could stack those all together and be like, it's a level seventy-five vulnerability, right? Because like you're 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 combining them. I'm I'm being hyperbolic. I'm being a little bit of an A. So, anyways. I'll uh, chill out. Google Pixel phones gain certificate of authenticity. Pixel binary transparency is the name of a new technology from Google aimed at ensuring that the code within the operating system of a Pixel phone is as it should be. It joins Android's verified boot feature as a technique to ensure that. Hold on, Rachel says it. It is, it is pre-auth RCE. Hold on one second. The word pre doesn't show up. Okay, so they do say by chaining these exploits, an unauthenticated network-based attacker may be able to remotely execute code on the list. All right, <clears throat> so if they are able to chain it, so thank you very much for pointing that out, Rachel. Unauthenticated RCE is like a 9-8 all the time. If you see a 9-8, high, high, high probability, it's um, unauthenticated RCE. That's why I was a little sus of this one because they're they're combining multiple vulnerabilities, right? So, all right. Malware has not been inserted into the software code or that the code itself has not been tampered with during its lengthy supply chain process. It uses public cryptographic logs to illustrate what a pixel installation should look like. New entries can be added to this log when new software is released, but they can't be changed or deleted, meaning unauthorized edits will be visible. All right. This is really cool. Okay. This is really cool. Okay. So two things to point out. One, we just talked about Android and um, APK files. This, this has nothing to do with that. Okay. So don't get these two confused. Google makes the Android operating system. However, it's important to note that Google makes the Android operating system basically like open source software. So what a lot of vendors do is they fork it. Okay. And I said fork, so no, no, um, no, no sailors in chat, please. So they fork it, and then they add their own, you know, files and and bloatware and all this other stuff, and then they put it on their phone. So like Samsung, LG, um, Amazon, and then you've got your like way down the street tiers of like businesses I've never heard of that just like really fork in a lot of different uh, malware. I mean, excuse me, software. <laughs> Freudian slip. So here's the deal. Because of that, and I've said this on the stream before, if you have a uh, Android device and you cannot upgrade the operating system to the newest level, or or like you're like seven OSs behind, the reason is because the vendor who made your device forked the Android operating system, and they have so many dependencies in there that if they were to upgrade the base operating system up, they would break all the other stuff that they stuck in there and have to go back and uh, fix all of it, right? Which costs money and time and developers and all this other stuff. So they they just abandon the, um, the operating system upgrade, which means you're vulnerable to all the uh, vulnerabilities that get discovered on that operating system because they're not going to fix it. So if you've ever wondered why you can't upgrade your Android operating system on these uh, forked devices, that is why. Now... Google makes the pixel, which means they are ground zero. They're using the mass, you know, the, the root branch, if you will, of the Android operating system, which means they can control everything. So 
if I was ever to get an Android phone, I absolutely would get a Pixel. I would get a Pixel hands down because I know that the operating system and the software stack associated with it is going to be maintained and I will never have an issue updating security patches. Second of all, Google's pushing it forward a little bit by ensuring, and this is the best part, this is a supply chain security control if you're a NIST CSF person. They are basically, they don't say using the blockchain, but that's basically what they're doing. They're using a, a cryptographic key that cannot really be faked to basically certify and stamp each part of the build for the software stack on your phone. So when you get your phone, you have basically a software bill of materials from Google that said, hey, when we made this phone in our factory, this is what was on it. Now you, con excuse me, you consumer, you can run the same test, essentially like a, it's like a, it's like an MD5 hash. I mean, I'm, I'm way, way oversimplifying it, but like you could basically run the same cryptographic check and it will match one-to-one. -one. If there is anything that is non-one-to-one, then you've got a problem and there is a compromise somewhere in the supply chain. That's what they're doing here. This is fantastic. Uh, again, this should be an industry standard. I don't know. I, I think maybe somebody like Samsung's, maybe somebody like certainly Amazon, if they wanted to, LG, like only the bigger tech players would be able to achieve this because it is an extra level of lift. Plus you need to make it easy for your consumer, looking at you. Make it easy for your consumer to actually be able to check it easily. You cannot send this out into the world and then expect like my, I love my aunt Kathy. You cannot expect my aunt Kathy to like whip up a, a terminal shell and run some type of like command line binary to test the software stack of her mobile device against a known original software bill of materials. That's not happening. So now you have to actually address like the UX and the adoption, all that other crap. But for me, this is a fantastic first step. I love what Google's doing here. I think it will go a long way. And it, essentially, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking too, like this is a good way to address security in a uh, software uh, supply chain. Also zero trust architecture. I know that typically uh, relates to business infrastructure and cloud um, integration into that infrastructure, but you know this has zero trust. You can test the um, the the legitimacy and the integrity. The the one element of the CIA triad that gets hosed regularly, our friend integrity. It's like CIA triad, but the I is like a little lowercase I. Don't don't be hating on integrity, people. There's mad value there. This right here, 100% aligned to the integrity security objective. So if you're looking for a good case study on how that one applies um, in the CIA triad, this is it. Anyways, um, I love this. Thank you. And now, a word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. Tired of managing risk and compliance in spreadsheets? Sick of tracking down stakeholders to find evidence? Worried about whether that evidence is up to date for your next audit? Hyperproof has you covered. With Hyperproof, you can efficiently manage multiple compliance frameworks and risks in a single place so you can focus on what matters most, keeping your company secure and growing. Visit hyperproof.io to get a demo. That's H-Y-P-E-R-P-R-O-O-F dot I-O. <clears throat> All right. I don't know if we caught any first-timers in here. Mods, if you saw any first-timers, let me know. I'd love to say what's up. If today is your first day on the stream, if episode 434 is your first 
Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. Please drop a hashtag first timer in chat. We'd love to say hi. But just let me remind you, first timers and long timers, we do the same thing at the mid roll every day. All right, guys. Hope you're getting a great experience today. Hope you're enjoying the show, whether you're getting educational value, entertainment value, or a little from column A and column B, that that intersection of the Venn diagram. Do me a solid, would you please? Please do me a favor and go hit the like button right now. Why? Jerry, you sound so contrite. What a what a lame YouTuber. Boo! No, here's the deal. If you hit the like button and enough of you do it, then basically YouTube algorithm will go out and tell other people searching for cyber content that cyber people, all of you, like uh, this content and it'll make them aware. That's how we grow the community. We're averaging more than 300 people a day um, and it's because of the work you guys are doing. So please uh, continue doing that and let us know. I want to say what's up to Andre Andre Diaz over on LinkedIn or Brad Theodore. No, no, Andre, Andre Diaz. Good to see you, first timer. Happy to have you. Guys, I want to uh, say, uh, remind you, thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade and Panopsi and Anti-Siphon Training. If you guys don't know, Anti-Siphon Training, all about good times. They are bringing uh, a disruptive approach to traditional InfoSec training industry by bringing high quality, cutting edge education to everyone, regardless of financial situation. Go to their website, link in the description below for Anti-Siphon. Please use that link, because it's got like a, um, a counter on it, so we can show the team over there that people are clicking on it. Uh, but if you look at the pay what you can training right here, right in the middle, they have a lot of great training. But this right here, these eight courses, you can get for whatever price you want. For whatever price you want. Absolutely nails. I've taken these classes. I'm going to be taking more of them starting in uh, September. News to follow. Shh. Okay. But uh, go check it out. Absolutely. All right, want to say congratulations to Jason Hoskins starting in the sock today. Go crush it, Jason. All right, guys. Hey, another great initiative that we've been running is the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Johnny5 has the baton. So, Johnny5, please tag somebody in chat. Once Johnny5 tags somebody, that person's going to go on LinkedIn and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge to post their story. Here's the ask. If you, if like I'm talking to you right now, if you want to basically hack your LinkedIn feed to build your professional network, to really see inclusive, supportive cybersecurity content, and to engage with uh, the community, do the following. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, comment on the posts, right? So you get picked up in the Peloton, and connect this is most important connect with the people and just say connect part of the simply cyber community connect i'm a squad member connect i saw jerry connect simply cyber community challenge whatever you're doing here's the thing do that and within a few weeks oh by the way connect with people on the post and in the comments which is why you comment also to get picked up in the in the peloton do this for a couple weeks and i guarantee you a your linkedin feed's going to be more valuable to you B, you're going to have a larger uh, professional network, which is super valuable. And C, you're actually going to be engaging with like-minded people and you'll notice the momentum of your engagement. You'll see what happens. And within no time, you'll just be 
you'll be off and running. The flywheel will be spinning full tilt. You will begin to realize the value of professional networking. You'll be giving value into the network, helping other people out. They'll be helping you out. It's a whole tribal community thing. It's amazing. It feels great. Don't be, don't go it alone. There's no reason for you to go it alone. There's a great community here. Giddy up on it. Johnny Five, please tag someone. All right, guys. Every single uh, day of the week is a special, special day. And Mondays are reserved for my son, Callan, art of the week. He's very art. We got a little bit of a throwback today because uh, Cal- we were very busy this weekend and Callan didn't have an opportunity to work on any of his projects. But I do keep this on my desk, so I wanted to share it with you. This is, it's a little little um, a little bit old, but I just want to share it with you. Callan made this Father's Day card for me. Uh, got the heart, obviously, and the rainbow. So love and smiles. Happy Father's Day. It's an original. On the back, we get this custom silly face to put a smile on you as you walk away. So thanks, Callan. Uh, I do appreciate it, and I do keep these things close to my heart. All right, guys, let's keep rolling through, and we will uh, finish strong. Win RAR Flaw lets hackers run programs when RAR archives are opened. Win RAR is a file archiver utility for Windows that can execute commands on a computer simply by opening an archive. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, the flaw is tracked as CVE 2023-40477 and could give arbitrary code execution on the target system after a specially crafted RAR file is opened, end quote. This has, consequently, a slightly lower CVSS score of 7.8 because it needs an end user to activate an archive. The vendor, RAR Lab, R-A-R-L-A-B, released WinRAR version 6.23 on August 2nd to mitigate the issue, and users are, of course, advised to update immediately. All right, <clears throat> this is pretty straightforward. Back in the day, WinRAR was all the thing. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I just right-click, extract all. Like, I guess, whatever the Windows 10, Windows 11 uh, native um, unzip uh, uh, binary is. That's what I use. But if you are running WinRAR, be mindful of this. Um, this is one of those vulnerabilities where basically, if you're not thinking about it, then you could fall victim to it. But but here's the here's the TLDR. Remember, okay, this is critical if you're if you're new, okay. Remember, all software can be vulnerable. All software can be vulnerable. What, what does that mean? Adobe Reader, right? You open a PDF with Adobe Reader and Adobe Reader is vulnerable and there could be some XML inside the, the PDF and it exploits that. The PDF itself isn't um, malware. Like you could open it in Chrome or other things and it would work fine. But if you open it with Adobe Reader, it would exploit it. Same thing here. WinRAR just allows you to unpack a compressed archive of files and typically you might right click run winrar and then it'll show you inside a window what files are in there and then you can hit the extract button the add button whatever but the second you open winrar you're going to exploit or the payload inside the the archived malicious package is going to exploit winrar that's all that's happening here okay so if you are winning running winrar update this is kind of a tricky one because winrar you, you might see uh, like power users in your environment, I, former IT people, IT people, R&D, engineers, developers running WinRAR. Like Carl in accounting, Carl, Carl in accounting is probably not going to be running WinRAR because, you know, non-tech people are, I'm not saying it's not possible, but they're, they're not likely to, to know what that is or to go download it and stuff like that. So 
There are tools. This is a tricky one because WinRAR is not going to be part of any gold load image uh, by, uh, you know, stack that's approved for a business. You, there are tools that will a, a, allow you, like Avanti, um, um, BSEC, you'll have to confirm whether um, SCCM, which I know is for pushing packages. I don't know if, if SCCM or any other like mainstream um, Windows environment tool can tell you all the binaries installed. Uh, but basically, you just want to find out if WinRAR is running below version 6.2 in your environment and make sure it gets updated. Um, this is one of those ones. This is kind of a pain in the A one to, to resolve because there's no coordinated, organized way to go find where it is. And if you educate people on to go fix it, they may not know what version they're running. Um, so be mindful of this. Security agencies warn space industry of increased attacks. The FBI, the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, NCSC, and the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, AFOSI, jointly published an advisory on Friday warning of increased cyber attacks on the space industry related to its growing importance to the global economy. The advisory highlights how attempted cyber attacks on the U.S. space industry have mostly focused on the theft of proprietary data and intellectual property, but the agencies warn of growing adversarial interest in, quote, collecting data from satellites, disrupting U.S. satellite communications, and degrading the United States' ability to provide critical services during emergencies, end quote. All right, so... <clears throat> All right, so you got to remember um, really quickly, okay? So space is taking off. There is Space Force, which is the United States arm, uh, you know, kind of DOD branch. But when we say Space Force, even though it sounds silly and they have kind of the, uh, like, Star Trek logo, that is really Cyber Space Force. I would assume that um, outer space, I, well, I don't know. If someone works in Space Force, let me know. But, like, Space Force, as far as I know, is focused on cyberspace and the cyber battlefield. The outer space is maybe inside the um, parameters of that, but that could also be like the Air Force because the Air Force is kind of north of uh, ground, right? Which if you keep going up, you're eventually going to hit the stratosphere and then go out into outer space. Here's the deal, though. There is a lot of satellites and equipment floating around out in space. It provides um, reconnaissance. It re provides um, internet uh, service like um, Starlink, right? It provides the ability to uh, provide communications, uh, uh, you, know, you know, from like the United States into something on the other side of the world, right? So there are a lot of there's a lot of first world power benefits, whether it's for military capacity or just, you know, dominance capacity. That's just for your own capabilities. Now, remember, put it on its head. If your adversary is using a similar ecosystem of technology in order to deliver communications and military advantage, and you're able to attack the integrity uh, of that communication, you could disrupt, you could push disinformation, you could attack the uh, um, the confidentiality of it. Oh, this is going to be a CIA triad lecture. Everybody gather around, sit around the fire. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to make this a day one lesson, right? So 
you basically could compromise the data and have them their their outer space links all jacked up. You could uh, obviously you could crudely just uh, DOS it, and then they don't have it through an av availability. Or you could eavesdrop on it and compromise the confidentiality and know where they're going to be sending troops. Know um, what what kind of intel they can see, right? Uh, by pulling the telemetry off their devices too. It's so so vital and becoming so and so much more important that there's actually like Hackasat. There was a Hackasat program, uh, I think at DefCon. Let me see, Hackasat, right? There's Hackasat, Capture the Flag, first CTF in space. Dude, this this Hackasat program and, and programs like this, it's not because we think it's cool. It's because the US government is like, holy crap, there is an increased um, dependency and value on the outer space ecosystem, for lack of a better term, that we need to know how vulnerable we are and how we can execute certain attacks. And by contacting the offsec community, uh, I don't know why I'm pointing at myself. I'm a member of the infosec community. Offsec, I'm more of a fan than anything else. So um, anyways, that's what's going on. This is actually a burgeoning area if you wanted to focus on this specific place. I will say there's probably not a ton of jobs right now. So if you're already in industry and you want to kind of like uh, niche down and, and begin targeting this type of work, there probably will be jobs in, the, in a few years. But right now, I don't think that you could break in with this type of work. Um, but very cool, very interesting. Um, and keep an eye on it because it's going to turn into more and more uh, of an interest. Um, so, Illinois Hospital in ransomware attack. Uh-oh. Chicago area Morris Hospital and Healthcare Centers is reporting a ransomware attack purportedly from the Royal Ransomware Group, although their announcement does not name any attacker. The attack was discovered on April 4th and may involve the PII and medical information of patients as well as PII of employees and their families, adding up to a total of 250,000 people potentially affected. Royal is well known for continuing to attack hospitals, even though this sector is considered technically off limits by many other gangs. And All right. Well, this is very timely. Um, just as a, a selfish self-serving thing i'm going to illinois in september so like in 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 three weeks to give a talk to a group of healthcare um executives and and and, and risk experts in healthcare and i was like you know my deck my deck is done i've already delivered it but i'm like don't worry I, as sad as it sounds there's probably going to be some story that comes out the week of, I said the week of my um, talk that I'll just fold in there. I'm not worried about it. Uh, and here you go. A couple weeks earlier than I expected, but boom. Like, it's it's sad that that can be so, you know, nonchalantly um, expressed as, as uh, you know, an expectation for a client for a speaking engagement uh, and be so cavalier about it. But, like, it freak it sorry, Kennedy, sorry, Jalen, Jaden. Um, it's so silly that it's it's this common, okay? Uh, here's the do Here's the deal. Royal Ransomware po posted a bunch of patient data, employee data, PIA data. All of it um, is out there. They obviously, I would assume, I maybe I missed this in the story, but I would assume they did not pay the ransom, which is why the ransomware gang is making good on their threat. Um, and as they mentioned in the story, for for like a hot minute there, okay. 
And by a hot minute, I mean like 2019 to 2021. For a hot minute, ransomware gangs kind of like agreed that they would not hit hospitals. And then like a new wave of punks came in, right? They weren't so, um, what's the word? They weren't so righteous criminals. And, and they, they just like blew a hole in the side of the, the boat as far as like not attacking hospitals. And now we see hospitals getting hit all the time, especially with ransomware as a service where affiliates are less, they give, they give a less of a crap about who they're hitting and they just want to get paid, right? Cash, homie. So unfortunately this stinks. This is, dude, this is the same TLDR. Like it's, it's, it's a ransomware incident. You're going to get hit. This is why I tell you every single day, barricade cyber solutions. They are the plan that you should have in place. If you're going to, you know, deal with ransomware, right? Ransomware incident. I'm not just saying it because Eric sponsors the show. I'm telling you because this is what you should be doing. Anyways, sorry, uh, Illinois Hospital. Now, last week in ransomware. One of the highlights of the ransomware beat last week was watching LockBit struggle with the challenges of scaling up, suffering problems leaking the data it claims to have stolen due to bandwidth and storage issues. In addition, Germany's National Bar Association was hit with ransomware, as was Morris Hospital in Chicago, as just mentioned. MoveIt continues to make the news with Colorado warning of the theft of PII of up to 4 million people and a new ransomware named Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, generated problems for TripAdvisor. If you're done with cybersecurity headlines... All right. It's Monday. We always... If you're a first-timer here, Andre, every Monday we typically end with ransomware roundup of the week. Uh, <laughs> Emmanuel Dark... Uh, best friends. Yep. Thanks for the super chat, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is correct. There are no longer distinguished gentlemen uh, of the CD criminal burglar um, syndicate. They are uh, just smash and grabs. All right, guys. So basically, uh, ransomware roundup, it happens so often. There's so many victims that we can do weekly roundups. I'll tell you the same thing I say every week. Go in here. We covered many of these stories last week already. So just go in here. Pick out the ransomware story that applies to your industry or applies to your um, your geographical location. Typically, industry is a good one. And use the information to either educate your end users on best practices, to use it to convince your business in a compelling way before it happens to you, to invest in... And when I say invest, it's not just cash, okay? Usually, it is cash, like invest in... Um, protective technologies and recovery technologies, but sometimes it's invest in governance, right? Oh, whoa, whoa, slow down, Jerry. Don't be bringing that GRC talk in here. Bear with me for a second. If the tone at the top is flippant about InfoSec, then the organization is going to be flippant about InfoSec, which means they don't give a crap, okay? If you can use these stories to win the hearts and minds of the executives, not for budget, but just for attitude and approach to business, you can begin, it's a long play, but you can begin to shift the tide, if you will, on the way that InfoSec is viewed and the way people make decisions on their own in your business. And it's a, guys, this is part of information security awareness, right? Like I might do a whole course on information security awareness. Most people think of it as like a PowerPoint and like, this is PII and this is what a fish looks like and don't click on that. Information security awareness 
is a program is much greater than that. And at its absolute root, it is modifying human behavior. And I know that sounds like Orwellian and like I'm like day one of like, welcome to cult school. But listen, what it really is, is enlightening the business in a way that aligns with what your cybersecurity objectives are but also in a way that resonates with them and allows, guys, we see this crap all the time. We know exactly how bad it is and what the deal is. And a splashy news story to scare the business, that can work as a short-term stick, but what you really want them to do is understand and make it part of their reality. And then once you do that, you can start, you slowly start moving the ball around. So when you do send that PowerPoint or that um, you know weekly email, it hits differently, okay? It's, it's a much bigger thing. Information security awareness is much bigger than what most people give it credit for if you do it correctly. But to do it correctly takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort. And unfortunately, um, some people are more interested in just getting the checkbox from the compliance people uh, to say like, oh yeah, no, 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 we do that. We run a, we run a, we run a training once a year and we capture metrics on it. And if you don't do it, you get a, a nasty gram but that doesn't change behavior. That doesn't actually reduce, reduce cyber risk. So anyways, please allow me to back up. I kind of went on a digression there. Here's the deal. Go through this story. Pick out something that works for you. Save it off in a file if you can't do anything with it right now. Build a little um, group of content and then unleash it, right? Seriously, unleash the creativity, innovation, determination, and efforts of your uh, uh, force and of our industry. Thank you, uh, Space Force, for those uh, lines of effort uh, buzzwords. All right, guys. If you were here just for the news, really quickly, I want to remind you, uh, I have not created the... Um, uh, hold on. Two things. One, I haven't created the thing, but at 4 p.m. today, I will be playing World of Haiku live on stream. So if you want to come hang out, keep an eye out for the channel I will schedule the live stream uh, later today, but at 4 p.m. Eastern time today, I'll be going live and playing a video game, listening to cool music, blowing out copyright uh, strikes all over the place. It's all about good times. Um, also, oh, hold on. Also, I want to remind you, there is a, a, a link in post chat. If you are interested, uh, just this week only, it's back to school. I'm going back to school teaching on Thursday. My kids are going back to school this week. I'm running a 40% off uh, discount on my GRC Analyst Masterclass. The coupon code is back to school. So if you haven't um, purchased the course, you've been waiting, um, you don't even know what it is, it's worth checking out. A lot of people, I know many of you have already taken this course and this is just like, doesn't matter to you. But for those who haven't, or if you wanted to share it with your network, uh, please, let's go. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, holler, holler, holler. Thank you all so very much. It's episode 434 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm Gerald Dozier. See you at 4 p.m. If not, I'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time when we roll it back and do the news again. But for now, and Andre and first timers, this is something else we do every day. This is the end of the news. Let's transition to jaw jacking. See you in a minute. Stay secure. All right.
right, everybody. Welcome to Jaw Jacking. I'm your host, Gerald Lozier. This is, I don't know, episode 434 of Jaw Jacking. Let me get chat up really quickly. Do a couple minutes of this. Let me check my calendar, make sure I don't actually have a conflicting. Another another regular standard part of our, uh, another standard part of the stream where I look at my calendar to see if I'm going to blow off a meeting. Nope. So we're good. All right. Uh, let's do it. So guys, if you're new here, hashtag first timer, jawjacking is basically a, a cool hangout, chill out AMA, especially Monday morning when, when, um, we're not really trying to get going yet. Shout out to Nick Barker on the elliptical, uh, slow and steady, my friend. All right, here come the comments. Um, so Sherry, uh, grandma Sherry, uh, love Sherry. She's joined the community recently. Uh, so she can connect better with her grandkids. Uh, you have a great day too, Sherry. She says, uh, doctor, each employee would reach, each employee would each have a 401k. They would have access to the banking for the 401k retirement. Would I be correct? Um, I'm not sure the context of that question, Sherry. Uh, all I would say is, I mean, for my personal experience, you know, I have 401k. Um, I've had multiple 401ks. Yes, you should have access to your 401k. It's your money. Um, it's set up through your employer, so they should be able to access it as well as an employer, but you would have two different um, interfaces. But yeah, you should absolutely be able to log into a platform where your 401k is hosted. Um, so Nicole asks, which is better, Haiku Pro or World of Haiku? Nicole, the answer to the question is... Uh, what are your needs, right? So Nicole says, which is better, Haiku Pro or World of Haiku? Guys, here's the thing. World of Haiku is... Um, World of Haiku teaches you... Like, World of Haiku is... Oh, wait, you guys can't see it. World of Haiku is better if you don't have any experience um, in IT or cyber or anything like that. It, it, it basically takes you from zero to, you know, 70... Um, by building you up haiku pro is more a little bit more advanced there's still there's still learning involved on haiku pro but it's more of like cyber ranges and testing your knowledge and ability right so like world of haiku assumes no prerequisites haiku pro like knowing how to use a terminal shell like that's assumed um you know like like knowing to like do an nmap scan of a box to identify listening services and then hack into them and stuff like that. That's what's up with that. So it depends on your skill level, Nicole. Hopefully that answers that question. Um, although Haiku is going to be consolidating those at one point in the future here. All right. Uh, let's see. Jesse saying, hey, Gerald, or excuse me, CJ Irby. Hey, Gerald, I finished your SOC analyst home lab walkthrough and was wondering how do I make note of this in my resume and then where can i get more practice doing things like that well cj as uh eric capuano mentioned in the interview i did with him as well so if you haven't cj looked i i made the video on how to build the lab based on eric's blog post but there's also a live stream interview with eric that i talked to him about um about the lab and how you can extend it right so as it as outlined when you do that lsas proc dump and you set a detection in Lima Charlie for it. Two things: one, you're writing you're writing detections, right? So I I wouldn't go so far as to say you're a detection engineer, but if you do that um, for multiple things, go look for common Windows 
Um, living off the... Here's the thing. Go look for living off the land or L-O-T-L bins, right? There's a whole website for it. Go look for L-O-T-L bins. Then execute some of those on your victim Windows machine. Then write a detection in Lima Charlie, just rinsing and repeating what you did for the LSAS proc dump. And then, then you could say, oh, I've written multiple detections. You could you could explain that how you built the lab. You could explain that you use Sliver P C2 post-exploitation framework, right? Like these are all the resume bullet type of things you could do, but you should use, you should extend beyond what the lab tells you using the things that you learned in the lab. Hopefully that answers your question, CJ. Um, Elite Gunslinger says, rate my proposed certification stack to get my resume pulled for CISO roles. CISP, CISM, CCISO, CRISC, and CISA. And uh, Elite Gunslinger wants to be a CISO. So for that one, I haven't heard of CCISO, but hold on. Let me look at CCISO really quickly because this is a good question. I like this question. Um, oh, this is an EC Council one. I see. Okay, so here's what I would do if I were you, Elite Gunslinger. CISM, number one, then CISSP, number two, then CISA, number three, then CRISC, number four, uh, and then uh, CCISO at the end. That's what I would do. I, In my opinion, the CISM is the one that's closest to a CISO. Uh, I have the CISM. I have the CISA also. I have the CISSP also. Um, here's the thing. The CISM one's the closest one that aligns to like CISO work. CISM does not get into like budgets and bullcrap politics and bureaucracy and dealing with vendors, <laughs> which is part of the job. Uh, it doesn't get into human uh, resource management and staff management, professional development, training dollars. doesn't get into any of that. But it does get into how the information security office is supposed to interface with the business and how to bring, you know, whether like not to say the word breach, like, for example, it doesn't say that, but you get the point. That's why I think the system should be at the top of the list, because to me, um, that's the closest one. And I like it. OK, Allison Van Stone back in the house. Good to see you, Allison. Allison Van Stone says, for B-Sides cons, what's the dress code? Casual like DEF CON or business casual like Black Hat? Thinking of going to some local ones coming up. Okay, Allison, great question. I have been to several B-Sides conferences. I would recommend that it is it is whatever you want, okay? And which I know is a crappy answer, but bear with me for a second. Um, it's, it's a step above um, DEF CON, okay? So there aren't people walking around with like um, tinfoil hats and you know cactus backpacks and stuff like that, like it's 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 less fringe than that, but it's certainly not like black hat. Um, so, but you will so you'll see people at DefCon. Um, excuse me, you'll see people at B sides wearing security T-shirts like me or polos. Um, you can even see people walking around in more business attire. The cool thing about B sides. All the ones I've been to, the cool thing about B-Sides is that it is very inclusive, right? So it doesn't matter what you're, who you are or what you're there for, or what you're coming from or what your perspective is. It is all about community and it's all about inclusion. The B-Sides that I have been to. So I have seen people with suits on, not many, and I've seen people with shorts, you know, khaki shorts and a t-shirt, right? 
I think most people are in kind of that vein, but I've never seen anyone at a B-Sides conference be like, oh my God, is that guy wearing a suit? What are we doing here? Like, you, you wouldn't get that. So be comfortable and be like in a good headspace. Also, shout out to B-Sides Charleston, November 4th, 2023. Just uh, sharing. If you're curious, they haven't, they haven't mentioned it yet, but if you want to know who the keynote speaker is for B-Sides Charleston this year, I got two thumbs and a smile that gives a hint on who it might be. This guy. All right. By the way, what an honor to be asked to, to keynote B-Sides Charleston this year. All right. Uh, Jessica asking about those DLL resources. Would SysInternals be my go-to? Okay. So Jessica asked earlier uh, on how to get more information about DLL re- um, DLLs. Here's the thing. A DLL file is just a portable executable without a like a front end to click into right so when we think of an exe file in windows an executable like we double click and launch it that is executable but it's a portable executable file a pe file if you haven't heard the term pe before that's what it is pe and then get out of here with this um a dll is basically it is exactly the same as a windows binary it just it's it's not it, it doesn't have the front end to click on right so what i would say jessica is yeah sys internals is going to be a good resource i'm a huge fan it depends what you want to learn about um this is like a pretty um this is a pretty obscure channel and i think it's completely undervalued this is dr josh strohshine okay i'll, I'll link a link in chat Okay, this guy was in my cohort for the PhD at Dakota State University. So his PhD is the same one I have. This guy is a phenomenal educator, a phenomenal educator. Like I literally TA'd his malware analysis 748 class. I, I didn't even need it. I just, I literally, I TA'd it so I could take it. I didn't really have to do anything as a TA. He did all the work, but like, He's so good at teaching that I love his style. Anyways, he is an expert on malware analysis, reverse engineering, and he mostly lives in a Windows world. His content, Jessica, is going to educate you substantially on Windows binaries, analysis, static analysis, dynamic analysis, the who, what, when, where, how it's happening. Um, he doesn't... Josh doesn't really try to like promote himself. He just loves teaching. He works for Google now. Uh, you guys may have heard of Google. Um, he works there, <laughs> at, um, or he did work there. Maybe is he over at Mandiant now? Hold on one second. He's not going to put it in his thing. But anyways, Josh is exceptional, and this is what I wanted to share with you. So go ahead, check him out, Jessica. Let me know if that helps. I mean, obviously, Sys Internals is good. But um, let me see. There's there's like uh, it, there's another um, um, there's another couple resources. So you can see Microsoft Learn. Here you go. Here's another resource. Again, you said DLL, but a DLL is just a portable executable file, right? It it doesn't matter that it's a DLL. So is Jessica still here? Yeah, she is. So Jessica, here is another piece of information. All right, let's keep rolling. Um, Jess Bishop wants to know, is there a post for the GRC Masterclass promo? 
So just, I mean, yeah, just there's a pin chat on uh, on YouTube chat right now that you can take advantage of. Also, um, I did do a LinkedIn post. Um, I'll, I'll show you this, guys. There's a YouTube post. Where's my LinkedIn post? Where is it? Give me a second. I'm looking for it. There it is. Um, can I drop a link in chat? And I'm, I'm going to own this. I am going to own this. Okay, guys, I'll tell you what. This is this is like this is me being real. Okay, people were like, you're kind of authentic. It's like, yeah, because because I'm real. Here's the deal. I posted this on LinkedIn yesterday. Now, in my defense, I just dropped a link in chat. In my defense, I did not have coffee yet. And it was 8 a.m. on a Sunday. And I posted this post. Now, some of you were quick to identify that this is not how you spell analyst. That is not how you spell analyst. I made a huge mistake, but here's the deal. This post, by the time I caught it last night, this post had been, uh, it had, it's got 16,000 impressions. And more importantly, it's been reposted 41 times. I can't change the graphic, okay? I'd have to delete the post. And so many people took it upon themselves to share with their network because they believe that the you know the course has value, the course is worth it, that I didn't want to pull the post down. So instead, I just, <laughs> instead, um, you know, like people like this, like Klaus hooking me up, telling me that there's a typo. I'm, I'm assuming that he's not calling me a clown. He's just saying that it's funny that I made a mistake. Um, so I just kind of owned it and, uh, you know, go with it. Yeah, right here. Another person. I said, got to have your coffee first. So that's the deal. I made a mistake, but the good news is it's just in the graphic. Uh, hopefully this did um, answer your question, uh, Jess Bishop. All right, let's keep rolling. And by the way, mods are doing a phenomenal job. If you guys don't know, uh, toss a coin to your Witcher. Toss a coin to your mods. Jenny Housley, Acid, I mean, Je Jenny Housley, Jesse Johnson, Kimberly Can Fix It, uh, BSEC. Eric Taylor, Justin Gold, um, you know, Aaron KG, Joel Belton, Eric Taylor, uh, Stefan Waldvogel, like they, they, they facilitate what's going on in my ability to do jaw jacking in a really, uh, you know, effective way. So thank, thank you, mod team. I, I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Uh, Andre Diaz, newcomer here, hashtag first timer says, where can I find the sock analyst home lab? Um, Kimberly, do we have like a exclamation point sock lab? If not, we should totally set that one up. Um, all right, so Andre Diaz, let me let me get you sorted out here. Uh, do 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 do. Where is it? Where? Is it? Hold on a second. Um, here it is. How do I share this? Videos? No. Details? How do I share this? Ah! All right. Hold on one second. I got to do it this way. If you go to my channel, you go to playlists, you click here, then you can... This is what it is right here, Andre. So let's... Andre, I can't tag you because you're on LinkedIn, not YouTube, but I just dropped it in chat. Andre, this is what you do. You go to Simply Cyber's channel. You click on play. Uh, you go to my channel. 
you click on playlists right here okay click on playlists and then it is the uh sock home it's this one right here okay this is what you want okay i can't do it on linkedin so you'll just have to bear with me or come over to youtube all right what else we got how are we doing on time 917 this is great um uh eduardo chavez says hey jerry first time viewer here well welcome to the channel uh I've completed my first ever cyber boot camp. Any tips on continuing to grow as a cyber student or landing the first job? Eduardo, that this whole channel is built on that. What I would say is um, that the short answer is this right here, Eduardo. This is the short answer. And I think if you do exclamation point book in chat, you'll get it. But check this out, Eduardo, if you go here, okay, Eduardo, this is a free free download, okay? There's a free download I made. This book right here, okay? This book right here has 10 steps. Take them in order. Step one, step two, step three. You're already executing on some of the steps. The steps are not easy. They're not transactional where you just do it and you're like, oh, I'm done. Like, what's on the next step? It is a way of approaching, breaking in and getting education and focusing your time, energy, and effort in a meaningful, deliberate way in order to optimize the path from where you are to breaking in. That's what this book does. Go go check it out. I think that that's a solid move. Um, the, the, the real short answer, Eduardo, is also come back here to the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Networking is so freaking valuable. I can't emphasize it enough. I'm almost positive that's what my B-Sides keynote address is going to be around because I feel so strongly about it. Um, ask anyone who, ask anyone here who's been here for any period of time, the value of networking, ask anyone who has pivoted from their existing job into the field, how important networking is, right? Mia from retail. Um, oh my God. Brady from pharmacy, Andrew from heavy construction, right? Ask any of them. They're going to tell you. All right. What else we got here? Um, Jess Bishop, what do I wear to Wild West Hackenfest? Good question, Jess. So what I would recommend to Wild West Hackenfest, it is a little chilly. Okay, it's not like winter jacket cold, but uh, you will be outside some, not a lot. Depends on what hotel you stay at. I stayed at the hotel that the conference is held at, and I was still outside a little bit. Um, what I and, and when you first land in Rapid City, it's cold. Okay. So here's what I, uh, I'm a fan of, uh, closed toed shoes. So like I wear, um, oh my God, what are they called? Oh, I wear, oh my God. There's a term for the shoes that I wear. Oh my God. Hold on. This is going to burn me. Clo wallabies. I think they're called. Yes. Wallabies. Okay. So I know this is a little bit of a deep cut. <laughs> tidbits Tuesday on a Monday. Uh, but like I wear wallabies, like basically like this kind of shoe, right? So I wear that. So closed toed shoe, something comfortable. You don't do a ton of walking at Deadwood. It's not remotely like Vegas. So something comfortable. Long, uh, I like jeans, long pants. You want that. Uh, I would recommend uh, cybersecurity t-shirts are a good time, but have layers. Be able to throw on a cardigan or a pullover. And even though it's a pain to bring, I bring a light winter jacket with me 
Uh, but I also, I tend to get wicked cold, wicked easy. My body doesn't really retain heat. That is your Wild West Hackenfest starter kit. Um, hopefully that answers your question, Jess. Um, all right, let's see. What's the promo code for the GRC Masterclass? Armel's asking. The code is back to school. Back to school. Back to school. One word, all caps. Yes, Jesse Johnson's driving to Wild West hacking fast like a boss. Love it. Um, <laughs> getting a lot of love and support from the mods on my typo. Um, Jenny's heading out. Take care, Jenny. Have a great Monday. Ron, Deck, Ron D is saying, OMG, where have you been? I discovered you yesterday. I'm kind of new to cyber, but I have my SysP and Security Plus. You're not new to cyber. You've been around a minute, Ron D. We, we got you. Just not much experience. You're helping me fill the gap. Yeah, I'm addicted. My man, Ron D. Can we just, can we just for a minute? Hello, Ron D. Welcome to the channel. I know you're not technically a first timer, because uh, you found us yesterday, but let's let's give let's give Ron D a retroactive hashtag first timer. Good to have you in chat, Ron. Um, we do have a book command. Excellent. All right. Casually, Joseph's gonna fly in on the 18th. That's awesome, dude. I'm telling you, Wild West Hackenfest is an exceptional conference. It's so good. I love it. And um, I, you know, I saw a lot of people there last year. Uh, I spent a lot of time with uh, Kimberly can fix it there. Her brother, Matt, um, J uh, not James. Uh, who else? Josh Mason, um, Joel Belton quite a bit. Uh, it was good. I met Philip Wiley there. Uh, it, it was cool. Uh, obviously John Strand's run around all over the place. Had, had multiple conversations with him. Uh, Deb, the Deb, Jason Blanchard, obviously the entire Black Hills team is going to be there. Velda, who's like the, uh, uh, you know, pull, pulling the strings and making everything come together. She networks, talked to her, met her. Um, just, it's just, it's just so good. It's just so good. It, uh, <laughs> Wild West Hackenfest is what I hope Simply CyberCon could be one day. It's just so good. All right. Leonardo wrote an OSCP review sent to Red Team Live. It's good read. I'd say a lot of people have agreed with me already. Cool, Leonardo. Can you um, can you drop a link to that in chat? I'll I'll definitely share it with everybody. Uh, Pursuit of bliss. I hear you. I understand. I will be live streaming multiple times from Wild West Hackenfest. I'm like out of my mind with uh, ideas. Uh, I want to do like a like a live stream, like multiple guests coming through. Uh, obviously, the daily cyber threat brief. I didn't do the daily cyber threat briefs from Deadwood last year. Um, I'm undecided whether or not I will do them. The thing is, um, people have asked me to do the live stream in person, which which I don't have a problem doing. But here's the thing: like when I listen to the the podcast, it's in my ear. So like literally, if you're standing in the room with me, I just stand there in silence, and then I just start flipping out into a microphone. So the experience from a spectator's perspective live may be different. I would need somebody like Base Case or Jesse, you know, who, who understands audio in order to get me sorted out to be able to somehow pump it into the room for the live audience, but also have it accessible to the, uh, 
the people who are on stream and, and then figure it out. So I love the idea. I did interview um, Deb and Jason from Wild West Heckenfest last year. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's see. Um, camera, oh, by the way, uh, ACI Learning is going to be uh, at Wild West Hackenfest. They're going to have a setup. Uh, I've talked to Kathy. Apparently, I'm going to be able to, like, you know, what is it called? Squat. I'll be able to squat on their stuff uh, if they're not using it, which is kind of cool. Oh, crap. Moshi Levy's got um, OSCP tomorrow. Uh Leonardo, can you drop a link to that? That would be really valuable. Yeah, no, we could totally. Yeah, BSEC, BSEC is BSEC going to be at Wild West Second Fest? I think he. Oh, he said he was going to try to get budget. Um. Oh, oh, I see. Leonardo saying the Red Team Life Discord. Okay, I get it. I get it. Hold on one second. Let me let me do this really quickly. Um. Check this out. Jaw Jack, and it's so raw. I don't even care. Look at this. So look at look at this. This is um the Simply Cyber Simply Cyber server, right? Uh Discord server. And then Leonardo is saying it's under the red team life. I'm sorry, when you said red team life Discord, I thought you meant there was like a red team Discord server. And then like let's see what Leonardo here it is. This is it right here. Boom. Thank you very much, Leonardo. And then here you go. And then I'm going to tag Moshi Levy in chat right now. Although, Moshi, I would encourage you to go to the Discord server. That way you can engage on it. Uh, but check that out, guys. Leonardo is an accomplished offensive security professional. If this is the path you want to take, definitely uh, check this out and engage with him on the Red Team Life um, uh, channel on the Discord server, okay? All right, where are we at? Got a couple minutes, four minutes left, guys. Um, we got a question from Brian on Discord. If it's true that a blue teamer should know how an attacker gets inside a network and extracts data or crashes a service, what is the best red team? Uh, hold on. We don't typically use the live stream chat for live chat. It's more of a... Uh, so Brian says, what's the best red team cert for a blue teamer? That's a good question. The best red team cert for a blue teamer? Okay. I mean, this is going to be considered not that hot a take. But in my opinion, now remember, I'm not a blue teamer. So if you're a SOC analyst, um, Jess Bishop, Stacey Loki, Tom Pike, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, which I said SOC analyst, but like blue teamer, Lend your opinions. But for me, guys, for my for my money, TCM's PNPT is definitely um, the one you'd want. If you're here's the thing, you don't even need to get the certification if you're a blue teamer. What you need is the knowledge. So I would actually study the knowledge that goes up into the PNPT. Um and the reason and this is what it is, right? This one for sure, this one for sure, this one for sure, this one for sure. This one you don't need because you're not really interested in writing uh, a pen test. Um, uh, uh, wait, 
that might not actually be for, that maybe that is a legit one i thought this was for like reporting but if this is how to execute maybe that's it the reason i say it is because this will teach you how to be offensive and think and find these things and as a blue teamer you basically know what the tricks and techniques are of the offensive person so that's why i would recommend that one things like oscp are cool but they're very focused on specific challenges whereas pnpt is more of like what a penetration tester's workflows look like Hmm. Hold on, let me get my Discord mod chat up. Alright, um... Alright, um... Nice! Jesse Johnson ain't targeting PMPT Q4. My man. I love it. Anyone know how to get more experience with SIM tools? 414 Devo asks. Yeah, um... So Devo, I'm actually going to be doing, I just haven't had time, but I, I, um, I'm going to be getting with uh, Let's Defend and uh, like formally aff affiliating with them. There is a, like, they have, here, this is Let's Defend. They do have um, good opportunities to learn SIM and offensive security and stuff like that. It's not free, but it is... Um, from what I've seen and what I've played with, it is really good. There is a 10% off code for Simply Cyber. I I have to find it. So 414, they have free stuff on their platform that you can play with to see if you like it. I like it. Um, and like I said, there's a 10% off code for Simply Cyber community members. If you really want to do it, message me and I will go dig it up. I think it's Simply Cyber, just the word Simply Cyber, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, like I said, we set something up. I, I like, basically they asked me if I wanted to affiliate with them. And I said, let me check out your platform. I checked out the platform. I liked their platform. I told them, yes, I want to affiliate with them. They sent me the stuff. And then I decided, um, that I've got a lot going on and I couldn't really deal with this until Q4. And when I say deal with it, I'm not just going to be some jack wagon. Who's like, here's a coupon code. Like, just do it. Like, I'm not. Affiliate marketing is not what I'm into. Like delivering cyber education in a meaningful way is what I'm into. So for me, I want to properly introduce Let's Defend and where the value is and make a video and stuff like that. So anyways, there you go. That's a long way to answer your question. All right, guys, we are at time at 930. Guys, thanks so much. Uh, and, and 414 Devo, Jess Bishop saying Greylog has a community edition. Splunk has a free version also. These are all true. It, it's like setting them up and getting logs and stuff like that. Um, is there a channel on the server for SC meetups at cons? Jim Whale asks. Yes, uh, Jim. And then this is the final question. Jim Whale's asking about that. Let me show you. Here we go. So, Jim, on the Discord server, oh my god, bro. On the Discord server, you can see under, I think it's under, which section is it under? Oh my god. Yeah, it's under chat and chill. So, under chat and chill, right here, there is a sub-channel called Conference Meetup. This one right here. It was very active for, um, see, like, Burge the Benevolent. Is that the horseshoe? Oh, Burge the Benevolent. Guys, check it out. 
Can I just share one quick win? This is like such a great So Jim Wales, this answers your question, I hope. Second of all, Burge the Benevolent. Guys, this guy right here, I was at the Simply Cyber Community Meetup at Abel Baker Brewing, just having some beers, having some laughs, high-fiving people, etc. This guy walks up to me. He was like late to the game and, and he like taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and he's like, I got a job offer yesterday and it's because in, he said, and I owe, I owe you or something to that effect. And I, I hugged him. I, you know, I didn't even know who he was yet. I just hugged him. I said, congratulations, man. I'm so pumped for you. You know, you did all the hard work. All I did was enable access to the knowledge. Like you did all the hard work. You earned the job. And I asked him who he was and he said, Burge the Benevolent. And I told him, um, definitely wanted to shout him out. Uh, haven't seen him in live, but dude, yet another success story. So let's leave, uh, let's leave on a high note. Congratulations to Burge. Congratulations to all of you. Um, I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. Y'all good times. Great day. Be good. I will see you. Uh, who got the, 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 uh, the squad community challenge, Sean, is it Sean Peralt? I think so. All right, guys, be good. And we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 AM Eastern time for the simply cyber daily cyber threat brief podcast. Unless you want to hang out at 4 PM today. Yeah. Storm walking. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing, uh, some jaw jacking. All right. Be good, everybody. I'm Jerry till next time. Stay secure. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah. <laughs>